Well, that is a powerful song, isn't it? That's a powerful song. And there's a couple lines in there that, boy, you really got to look at that and think through it before you sing it. In just a moment, I'm going to step up and just share a message that um, is the beginning of a new series called Come and See. And it's just burning in my heart. It's just burning my heart. I love, love, love the Gospel of John. And we're going to take a close look at that over the next, I don't know, (laughs) several weeks, months, years, who we'll see. We'll see. Before we do, before we begin that, I need your help. I need your help. And I'm asking you, those of you especially who are members of Calvary or maybe you're regular attenders or you're thinking about uh, joining in this fellowship, I'm, I'm asking you specifically for your help. Um, uh, not just today, but over the whole series that we're going to begin. Now, we are coming back from COVID. Doesn't that feel good? Amen. What a long journey. And I know that some of you are still watching online, and you've got different reasons, and I get that, and that's totally okay. God bless you. But for many of us, we've been freed up to, to come back into this room And I hope you'll do that as soon as you can. I know there's nothing magical about a building or a place, but there is something magic about being in a place together, wherever it is. And if if this place were to burn to the ground tonight, we would find a place so that we can be together. There's just something about that that physical, that, that place, that just, just being with one another. So let's continue to pray as we go forward. Now, when it comes time for worship on Sunday morning, here's my ask, okay? Uh, I want you to treat it just like you would a dinner date, the beginning of a movie that you've paid whatever to go see and you're ready for it to start. You know how when there's an event like that in your life, you're locked in and you're focused and you're ready That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking is that on Sunday morning, you give this hour, this one hour, your priority, your focus, your heart, and your attention. If you remember, I'm going to ask that you, you know, if if you're not part of one of our Sunday morning Bible studies, check them out. There's some really good Bible studies going on if you want to be a part of one of those. But if you're at home, it takes me 18 minutes to get from Hickory Grove Court to Calvary. It, it takes me 18 minutes. Uh, but I know that's parking lot. That's driveway to parking lot. So I need, to, I need a little buffer. I need some, some time there. So leave just a couple of minutes early so that you can get here and not feel stressed or not feel like you're trying to get in the room. If you're in one of our Bible study classes, we're going to, to do our best to see that you can close that up at 1030 so that you've got 15 minutes, you've got time to stop by the restroom, to greet friends, to do whatever you need to do, and then to come on in this room. And once you're in this room, greet the people around you. Say hi to new faces and to folks. Uh, we've had guests just about every week uh, because we're ready to move back into a place and an atmosphere of worship. And as you get your seat, I just want you to pray. Even if you have read the book of John a hundred times, you've studied it. Um, I have translated big portions of this scripture. 
Now, granted, it's one of the easiest in the New Testament to do that with. I'll give you that. But, but I'll tell you, I'm learning new things. I'm learning new things. And if you've never even heard of this book and you think, who's John? I don't even know what you're talking about. Then I want you to listen. And I want us all to lean in uh, when we're in this room. Pray for yourself. God, teach me today. And then pray for the person maybe sitting in front of you or beside you, the people around you, uh, just how God would Im- impress you. I promise you that when you step into this room and you're ready, that Kevin and the worship team will be ready. They will spend hours getting ready for this moment. I promise you that our staff's going to be ready. We're going to be prayed up. We're going to be ready for this moment, for this hour. Our tech guys, they work hard to make sure everything is as best as it can possibly be to communicate to you through every sense that we can. They're going to be ready. I promise you, I'm going to spend hours preparing for the time that I have to share with you. Uh, this week I put together a bibliography and then I counted and it was 18 resources that I'm using plus the Bible, which I should probably uh, throw in there and just anything the Holy Spirit speaks to me. The point is we're going to be ready. Would you be ready? Let's treat this hour that God's given us on Sunday mornings as a real priority. And when we step in, let's expect something. God, I'm listening. My heart's leaning in. My ears are open. I'm ready for you to teach me. And here's my my last promise. If you do that, God is going to meet you. He's going to teach you something. He's going to teach you something fresh. He's going to remind you of a truth you need to know. Um, He's got something for you. Now, I'm a little anxious, a little nervous, even though I've spoken probably a couple of thousand times here. But when I do a series, I, I kind of like structure, you know, I, and it's, it's so often I'm able to get up and to say, okay, we're beginning a four-part series, a six-part, an eight-part series. Folks, I know today where we're beginning, but I don't know where God's going to lead with this. Um, I'm going to be as organized as I can. I'm not going to try to go too slow or too fast, but I'm just going to speak to you out of my heart. And wherever we land each week is where we land, and we'll just pick back up there the next week. So pray for me as I try to organize that and to present that. And we're going to learn as we come and see. Does that sound good? In the beginning... was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, 
And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. William Barclay said the first chapter of the fourth gospel is one of the greatest adventures of religious thought ever achieved by human mind. I think this is one of the most beautiful pieces of scripture that we have in the entire Bible. There was a problem. The problem. Must a Greek who was interested in Christianity be routed through the Jewish messianic ideas and through the Jewish worldview and all the customs and the traditions? Should you your friends, your family, your co-workers, your classmates uh, who are interested in Christ, must they go through the church to find Jesus? Should we become Baptists or Presbyterian or non-denoms or uh, attached to a certain uh, system or belief pattern or, or, or even be familiar with all the religious traditions. Do we have to jump through hoops to come to Jesus? How to present the gospel and and Christ in such a way that a Greek could understand it, that was the problem. And in some ways, it feels like that's still a problem today. The answer. Around 90 to 100 A.D., there, there was a man in Ephesus who was fascinated by the problem. His name was John. He lived in a Greek city that was immersed in Greek culture. He had, uh, or the Lord gave him, a a brilliant idea. Just just magnificent, just genius. You see, in both 
the Jewish way of thinking and in Greek philosophy, there existed the conception of the Word. Hoplagas, the Word. This knowledge and appreciation for not just the term, but for everything that it meant, belonged, the Word belonged to the heritage of both races. There was a connection. There was a place of commonality. So, this is where John begins. He presents his gospel in an entirely new and unique way that would speak into both the Jewish minds and hearts as well as to the Greeks. It's totally fresh in its approach to make Jesus known to both worlds. Lagos. John's literary style is the simplest in all the New Testament. He wasn't real fancy, not real eloquent. He didn't write to impress. It is the most straightforward book to translate with the most universal vocabulary words and grammatical construction that we have really in all the Bible. John just put it out there so that the youngest child, the oldest adult, smartest person in the room, someone who is, you know, really disconnected from anything religious, everybody would get it. Everybody can read this. John's gospel is the only account of the life of Jesus that begins with presenting this eternal existence of Jesus rather than um, beginning with the way that Jesus appeared to us as a human being, as just a tiny baby. The other three gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called uh, the synoptic gospels because they are so similar in the way that not just they begin, but the whole pattern, the way they tell the story. But John's account just stands out from the rest. His is just different. Jesus is called the Word. Now, that's a term that was used by the Greeks in reference to um, the governing power, the forces that be, you know, it was behind all things and encompassed all things. If you look this up, you know, they're just pages that talk and try to explain the concept of, well, this is the Word. But if you were a first century Greek or even a first century Jew, you'd get it. You were kind of familiar and you understood what this means. And the Greeks, to hear this written by a guy like John, they would be immediately engaged. They would be attracted and, and curious. 
hey, he's using our idea, our philosophy, but he's reframed it completely. Now, the purpose of this book that we're going to study together is written actually near the end. He tells you almost at the end, this is why I wrote um, what I wrote. It's in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. It says this, Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples. We don't even know what all Jesus did. We we don't even know. Um, Which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. There's the why. His goal is to present Jesus so that his, his readers will see and believe Wow, this is the true Son of God, Jesus Christ. Now, if you're interested um, in Jesus, um, maybe for the first time, I remember the first time, you know, that I began to visit and I would go to this little church. I didn't have a Bible, and I've shared with some of you before, a group of friends uh, collected money together. They all pitched in and bought me a Bible. It was the biggest Bible you've ever seen. It could choke a horse. I mean, it was big. Thompson's chain reference, King James, oh, Holy Ghost Bible. I mean, it was big. And I carried that thing. You know, I love it. I still have it. I just love love that Bible. Uh, But I was unfamiliar with it. So a friend, you know, I'm looking through it, and I said, wow, this is so confusing. And I said, this book. He goes, well, it's actually more than one book. It's like 66 books all put together. I said, well, nobody, I didn't know that, you know, I just thought it was a, a book, you know, and, and he said, oh, no, it's, it's very different, it's, it's spread out over, you know, thousands of years, and it's got different authors from different backgrounds and cultures and, and languages, and I thought, oh, how am I ever going to understand this? He goes, oh, you, you will, you'll see. I said, where do I start? And he said, you should start in John. I said, but that's like in the middle of the book. He goes, yeah, just trust me, begin there. And I'm going to give you that that same, you know, advice. If you're interested in Jesus for the very first time, or if you know someone who wants to start reading the Bible, they say, you know, I hadn't read it in a long time, or I've never read the Bible. I I don't know, where, where where do I begin? I suggest that you start right here with the Gospel of John. Tell them, start with John. Read there first. Yesterday, uh, Friday night, actually, and yesterday, some of us were watching the Promise Keepers, you know, the simulcast that we did here at Calvary, and we heard, maybe he's one of my favorite, maybe my favorite speaker, a guy named Samuel Rodriguez, he said this, uh, he said, Jesus isn't on Facebook, or Instagram, or TikTok, or Twitter, but he has 2.4 billion followers. <laughs> I thought, Wow. No one else has so changed history. No one else has ever so changed my life and many of your lives like Jesus. I know that I am not a high-powered, you know, PK speaker. I'm not a famous megachurch pastor. I'm not a passion rock star. I'm just, I'm your shepherd, and I'm here. But, But I'm absolutely convinced that the Holy Spirit has led me to teach this. 
And I just really believe he's showing me new things and that he's going to do that for all of us. Because it's, it's in his word. It's just his word. And, and it's Jesus. And he starts like this. In the beginning. In arche. It's where we get our word archaic from. It not only means from the start, you know, like the, the, well, the beginning, but it, it, it actually means before the creation, before the commencement of anything, before the start of history. You know, we, we never wrote anything down, and we don't know what happened, you know, before all this was started being recorded. He said, before that, in that beginning, there was Jesus. Before the world itself or the reckoning of time in any way, there was the Word. Now, this is a very purposeful echo of Genesis 1.1. And you're going to see John do this as we go along all throughout his book. There will be something that you'll read and think, wait a minute, that sounds familiar. And, And you'll look back and you'll think, oh, He got that from Genesis. Yes, he did. And he did it on purpose. Because he's not only engaging the Greeks, he is pulling the Jews in. You know, so so in Genesis 1-1, where it says, in the beginning, God. And then John begins his gospel saying, in the beginning, the Word. In the beginning, Jesus was the Word. He was this vehicle of communication between us and God. He was the logos. He was the expression of reality. Have you ever seen something and you, and you try to describe it? And, and you're telling somebody what it's, it's like, and, and you just struggle to find the vocabulary, you know, to get, to get the concept or the image or the picture or what you saw or experienced out. And, and all of that wrapped up is logos, it's verbal. Logos is the expression of reality. He is an accurate depiction, a display of God himself, expressed through the power of speech. It's a very verbal thing. Jesus connects us to who God is. He is the, the manifestation of deity. He's the declaration of truth in a physical form. For the first time, we could see him and hear him and even touch him. We could understand like never before. The Word was with God and was God. There is a place there of connect. There is a relationship there. Now, John uses this comprehensive name for God, theos. Um, it's where we get the word theology or theocratic. You know, it, it's, it, there's lots of words we use that have the root in, in theo like this. It's a generic, all-purpose name for deity, God. Every culture could relate to that and kind of know that. But now, 
we would know God with a name. With a, with a name, just like we have a name. A personal name. I mean, his, his family and his friends would have called him Yeshua, which is like Joshua. It's evolved and it's been transliterated, and it's been brought from, you know, the Greek and through the Latin, and it, it's ended up, you know, it was Jesus, and now for us, it's Jesus. And we put a J, we put a J sound on it, uh, which was not there. It was, a very, it was a fairly common Jewish name. It was like Bob or John or Tom or Bill or, you know, or Sue or, Sal. you know, it, it was a name that it wasn't unusual. Like, well, we've never heard that name before. People had heard that name. It's the most universally recognized name now in the world. We know his name. He's not just an abstract deity that you only refer to as God. <laughs> he's very real and he's personal. He even goes so far as to say, you can call me Father. In fact, if you want to, you can call me Daddy. Call me Dad. Papa, that's okay because we're we're in an intimate relationship. Lord is also good. It's sort of the Greek substitute for Yahweh or Jehovah, another word we sort of came up with. It's the covenant God. So when you say Lord Jesus, you're kind of putting both of those together. You see, we are in a relationship. And when you're in a relationship like a friend, you don't just call them by their title. Uh, necessarily, you, you, you call them by their name. And you know that place in your relationship when you've met someone and maybe you're referring to each other as Mr. or Mrs. or, or doctor or this or whatever it is. And then they get to a place where they say, hey, just call me Dan. This is the place in human history. This is the, pla- this is the moment where God says, just call me Jesus. I'm calling God by his first name. <laughs> we know his name. Verse 3 says, All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Made is a really interesting word. And some of you know me, you know I love verbs, and I'm kind of drawn to those. But it means to bring something into being, and then once it's in being, it exists to bring it all together. And I thought, it's kind of like if you were to make a cake, you know, or, you know, I'm not a great cook. I've put together real simple things, and I think I've created a masterpiece, and I take it around, I want everybody to look at it before anybody eats it. I think, should this be on Instagram? Because look, look at these nachos, look at that. This is like Southern living right here in my hand. You know, I just think it's amazing. But all I've done is follow a recipe, and I put these ingredients together. I make a soup that's really good. It's really good soup. 
and I chop everything up by hand, and you know, and I do it, and I think it's, uh, it's really good. But that's all I've done is put together all these things. What this word means is not, not only did he bake the cake, not only did he make the soup and he pulled it all together, he created the ingredients and then put them all together and holds it and sustains it all together. That's Jesus. He created all things and then awakened everything and designed it so that it would sink into this flowing, beautiful, wild, organized ecosystem. I was sitting here Friday night and I was sitting back here and I looked through this window and I saw these crepe myrtles and my thoughts kind of wandered, and I thought, why don't my crepe myrtles do that? Look at those. And I just thought, those are gorgeous. Look at that. And then I look over here, and I see, look at that. That's like a postcard. That is so beautiful. And I thank God, forgive me for any time I've complained that you planted our church at 3200 Kingston Pike. You know, there, have you ever thought, God, why didn't you put us in a neighborhood? Why didn't you put us somewhere convenient? Why didn't you put us somewhere where it's easy for people to get to? Some of you drive a lot longer distance than I do just to be here, just to be here. But I thought, God, this is, so, look at that. And I think, God, you created all of this. And, and, it's, and it's just, it's just so crazy, so wild, but yet it's so perfect. And it just continues to build and to replicate itself and to replenish itself and to heal itself. Isn't that just, isn't that just absolutely incredible? Jesus, the Word. This is the same, this is the same term that's used for uh, creating a disturbance or an uproar. And I don't know what that means. I thought, God, where did you do that? You know, was it like in, in all the universe, in heaven, and there had never been anything like this? And God says, we're going to create a world. And it just created an uproar in heaven. Like, wow. It's just this, this huge disturbance, these waves of creation. John is again, he's reminding his Jewish readers of their roots all the way back in Genesis. He's saying all of that. And when you read Genesis, say, that was Jesus. That was the word. That was Jesus. And he says this, verse 4. He says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men, of humans. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, it cannot ever overcome it. John uses these two terms, you're going to see, not only in his gospel, the words life and light. Just, if you were to go through and just kind of highlight or circle, you think, wow, he uses those words a lot. Now, when I'm writing, I write in Word, and then I convert it to a PDF, and I take that out of my computer, I put it in Dropbox, and then I put it in Goodreader, because I'm old school. You know, one of our grad students said, Dan, you can trust the Internet. You can trust the cloud. Just put it there. Said, no, what if the cloud crashes? 
Uh, seriously, I was driving down Chapman, and uh, my friend just once said, the, cra- the cloud's not going to crash. He said, what if your hard drive crashes? I go, ha, ha, ha. I've got it in Dropbox. I've got it in Evernote. I've got it all over the place. Because I'm old school, and I'm scared I'm going to lose stuff, and so the redundancy of it kind of makes me feel more secure. You know, and it's there. It, it's, it, but I use these different words, and as I go through, and I think, oh, wait, I've already said life. I've already said life. Um, and so then I, I go to the thesaurus, you know, and I'm looking for another word. And I think when I'm up here, you probably don't notice or care. And I think, you know, I was talking to the tech guys about colors, you know, I said, I would be here for hours trying to choose the colors on the, you know, the, the stage lighting and all of this, because I would go, oh, that shade of green is better than this shade of green and all that. John doesn't worry about any of that. John just says, it's life. <laughs> it's light. And so I'm just going to say that over and over. And that's what he does. And I think it's very purposeful because he also says it in his first epistle, 1 John. He uses that over and over. And he says it in the Revelation. He uses the words life and light. So as we go forward, as we go along, look for those words. There's meaning. There's something there. Uh, John is like doing something subtle as he refers back to Genesis, as he reaches forward and he uses these terms that both the Greeks would get and the Jews would be very comfortable with. He's like the Gandalf of Bible writing, okay? He's just, he's got all this going on, things behind the scenes. So the word for life is used 54 times in the New Testament. God, you're you really want us to get this. You want us to see something about life. Zoe, life. Now, it, it, technically it refers to physical life. Everything that has, you know, breath in it or life in it. You know, it, it could be, that's Zoe, that's life, that's life. But Jesus brings this new, deeper, better uh, meaning to, to this word. It's not just physical life. He says, I am bringing you alive emotionally. Like in Genesis where it says, and he breathed into him the breath of life. And then he brings us alive spiritually. So that we're alive physically, emotionally, mentally, all, and we're alive spiritually. Now, that is what we're going to talk about next week because we're going to pick up right there and we're going to take a closer look at what life and light mean. And then we're going to talk about John the Baptist. This guy is just crazy. You're, just, you're going to love John the Baptist. Nobody else has ever been like him. And we're going to see how the Word became a human being just like us, even with a name just like us, and how that's changed everything. So I hope you come back uh, because I want you to see that God sincerely loves you This is where I first met Jesus. It's in the Gospel of John. 
and it's where I continue to go, you know, year after year uh, of my life, and to see him again there fresh. And so I hope you come back, because he has an abundant life waiting for you. But I think this is a good landing place for today. So I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to ask my friend Joe to come and just to close us with prayer.